Hello, and welcome to Rethinking Legal Ops, a podcast by Speed Legal. I'm Ashwari Saxena, and here we talk to legal experts, industry leaders, and innovators about the many ways that legal tech is transforming the way we practice law. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rethinking Legal Ops. This is a special podcast. Today is the business version, and we have Ashwarya from Speed Legal and Matt from ATAX. Hi, guys. Hey. How are you? I'm awesome. Happy to be here. Nice. So, yeah, as as I mentioned, uh, this is a special version. Usually, Ashwarya is running the legal ops version of of Rethinking Legal Ops. And this time, we are going to focus on the business side and dive deep into the understanding of how legal is impacting also the finance aspects of every every business of course and the interlinks between the two so we really believe that uh, you know also the transformation of law in terms of the role of the attorneys and lawyers are changing they are not just meant to read contracts and do very manual work but it's more um, going toward um, an advisor and a trust advisor and a strategist uh, within the company so um, how cfos vp of finances ceos work strictly with legal is is the topic of of today and the next podcast as well and today we will focus with matt on that that's great so matt can you tell a bit um a bit more about yourself a quick introduction absolutely yeah so i'm a fractional cfo i work with um mostly e-commerce brands and e-commerce agencies a couple SaaS companies and a couple startups as well but i work with clients in uk austria uh, wales uh, us and canada and you know, basically, the goal is to help my clients scale sustainably, make sure they don't run out of money, make sure we optimize their profit margins, and you know, at the end of the day, the hope is that they can like get rid of the stress that comes with managing cash and margins, and and then, um, like where where is this whole thing going? The goal is to help them answer that and make a plan so that they don't have to worry about it. So. What are some of the, the key things that you look at at the business? Like, is there any KPI that you that you measure? Of course, it depends on the startup, but um... yeah, yeah. So we we definitely when I when I join with the new client, you know, we build a financial model and we look at what are the key drivers within their business. And I would say, you know, a lot of things are customized for the business, but there's always a few that are the same. So contribution margin is a huge one that we're looking at gross margin net margin you know some liquidity measures like you know how is your business able to meet obligations with current cash flow things like that uh, and then we'll obviously add things that are custom to the business and I'm, I'm sorry I, I didn't introduce of course Ajveria because everybody knows her and I jumped into the question because I'm very excited but Ajveria please <laughs> uh, say a word <laughs> hi everyone I'm Ashwarya and uh, head of legal and partnerships at uh, Speed Legal and uh, it's wonderful to do rethinking legal ops with you every Thursday and I'm even more excited to launch with Hansfall the um, uh, business version of rethinking legal ops so great to have you uh, as our first guest for that Matt and very well, happy Honored. I'm honored. And thank you guys. And remind us, Ashwarya, uh, which episode are we in? This is the 23rd episode. So it's been nice. about five months that we've been doing this. Yeah. Wow. And we kept it awesome. consistent, right? Ashwarya managed to do it every every week. So yeah, thank you for that. I'm very excited to have, to, to have you here, Matt, together with Ashwarya. And we will make it uh, dynamic. So we will ask some questions. So you, you guys will be able to see both perspectives from a legal head and from operational CFO 
C-suite um, mentality as well. Cool. So interesting contribution margin. That's for sure very, very important. And uh, yeah, if you, if you have a SaaS company, of course, you have different metrics, uh, different values compared to a manufacturing, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but jumping to the legal aspects of, of those uh, numbers. So how much spend? So are you actually currently working with legal documents as well in your regular, regular work yeah, week? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. People, like clients will send me things to review, whether it's a contract from a potential marketing agency, SaaS platform, vendor, customer. I see all kinds of contracts all the time. You know, even you know, fundraising term sheets, safe agreements, uh, shareholding agreements, like all of it. And um, do you what, do you enjoy that part of the work, like reading contracts or is something that you're trying, you know, try to give someone else or? Uh... Well, nobody really enjoys reading contracts, I don't think. <laughs> but there, there is a part of it. Yeah, right. So th- there is a part of it that is that I do like, and that is the the challenge of understanding uh, what's going on and, and trying to, it's like a puzzle, I guess. You get to, there's paragraphs here and there and everywhere and definitions and you have to figure out how they all fit together so to be honest it might sound a little bit nerdy but i do like that part of it because the other thing is when you can understand a contract well it allows you to really advocate for someone and uh, mitigate adverse potential conditions and things like that so yeah i i like some of it if it could be faster that would be nice <laughs> but yeah sure, yeah do you like it i think you were you were not in stuff. I have to, right? <laughs> um, no, but I mean, uh, I, I do fully agree with Matt there. I mean, reading contracts can, as a process, become pretty dry. And as a lawyer, too, the, so the most exciting aspects is to be able to, you know, understand this language and bring value to your company, whether that is protecting them from liability or anticipating any risks mm-hmm. or you know, getting a more sort of favorable, putting them in a more favorable position. So I think those are the most exciting parts. And it would be great if we could automate or, you know, make more efficient the the process to get there, you know, instead of having to spend more and more time reviewing a lot of contracts. So I I guess uh, from my perspective as a lawyer, I could use more my creativity and my skills a little bit better if I did not have to manually read all of them. So So yes and no. And we will, don't worry, if, guys, uh, if you don't understand words such as liabilities and stuff, uh, we will jump into it and we'll dissect it for you later. Um, so, Matt, double click on something. So, you mentioned that you actually like the, the fact of, you know, the interlinks between one section of and the, another section of the contract. Are you referring to the drafting part when you are actually able to paint or uh, more also when you receive contracts from outside and you need to evaluate them? Oh, so I don't do a lot of drafting, to be honest. Like that's primarily, you know, counsel would do some drafting. I do, you know, when, when, when I'm on a client side and we are drafting a contract to go somewhere else, like I'm obviously part of that process. Um, but I think I review more contracts than I draft. And so like, like Ashwarya said, it can get pretty boring and frustrating, but you know, usually like I, I don't mind, like it's, it's like I say, it's, it's fun to put the puzzle together to help mm-hmm. your client be in a better position. And how long did it take to get you there? Because to like, to like, in order to like that part of, you need to understand it, I guess, right? Forever. It took me, I would say, two years of reading a lot of contracts. I'm not a lawyer, but I worked in a private equity group, and so we, I, I was a CFO, but I was also deal side, so. I would be doing documentation with investees and reviewing their edits and putting edits back and reviewing the lawyer's mm-hmm. edits. And so doing that for two years and also, you know, we, we had investors of our own. And so like reviewing the investment agreement, all these things. So reviewing very dense, 
very long contracts for took me two, three years. I've begun to figure out which are the parts that are the most important. And especially when, when you want to know, like when you have a question, knowing which parts answer the question, now I can read them faster than I used to. I used to have to read the whole thing, right? That's why, you know, like when you start, you have to read front to back. Now, when you have a question, you know, okay, this, 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 we can go look and figure it out. Um, but it took a, a lot, a lot of hours and a lot of frustration to get to where I am now. And, and, and I do want to quickly chime in and also add that, like, you know, sometimes even though, you know, you can have, you know, experience and like reading those documents, you get to a place where you can look at, you know, like some of the key things, but still like, you know, from like a general counsel a perspective from people that I've talked to, some of them have actually told me that even 20 years into, you know, practice, knowing the all the different types of clauses that you could possibly see mm -hmm. sometimes they read it front to back and then back to front especially when they're like you know working with a new type of vendor just to mm -hmm. see if there's been any like minor tweaks and and, and whatnot so mm -hmm. uh, that part of the work unfortunately is still something that um, you know in-house counsels or even like at law firms like lawyers would still do despite their uh, all their experience that's that's a lot of work and um, but now you're focusing on a different sector, right? You're not in investment, right? You're more on e-commerce. Yeah. So I work with mostly e-commerce brands and agencies. And so like, you know, the, the types of contracts I'm reviewing have changed more so. They're SaaS, vendor, sometimes shareholding agreements, sometimes purchase and sale if they, my client wants to sell or, or buy. Cool. And so how much delay or let's say um, how much time does it take to, you know, to go through these contracts on average? Of course, it depends, but... Um, if you want um, to group them into categories or yeah so SaaS contracts you know they're um, you're talking minimum an hour probably and and the more important and the, the potential risk the more time you spend obviously looking at contracts so i work with um some folks that are buying a business right now and we've spent 30 hours in documentation reviewing editing redlining so it's a lot yeah acquire or sell in part we are acquiring okay. or these people are acquiring yeah okay yeah for 30 hours yeah and then of At course the time is money right so i guess you can yeah any 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 photo on this area yeah i mean I, I was i was just going to actually ask matt did you have any outside counsel that you used for this or uh did you 100 percent. yeah we yeah I, I i i'm of the mind where i can do a lot but I still wouldn't do it without outside counsel because I'm not a lawyer. And so I'm good enough where I can reduce legal fees with how much I know, but I'm still not good enough to cut the lawyer out of the process. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's absolutely right. And <clears throat> with all the new types of legal tech tools that, that, that we're seeing, that's sort of kind of the assumption a lot of times is that it's just going to like entirely replace lawyers when it's not it's going to like you know reduce their involvement in mm -hmm. areas where they don't necessarily need to or even want to be want to be involved and just um you know i know you're asking the questions but like i'll just like just to get like more inputs like i'll just have a little like you know follow up so do you mm -hmm. think that did, did you feel like you actually needed an outside counsel for all of those 30 35 hours of work or what parts of it do you think were unnecessary, but you still had to outsource this because, you know, you did not have any other way of maybe automating it or doing it more efficiently? Oh, there's a few times where I got really busy and I had to pay the lawyer to, to re review a new draft. So typically, if I'm available, I'll review all the drafts myself. As you know, you, you send it back and forth and the changes. So, but then if you're busy and you have like, you know, other work to do, I had to ask our lawyer to review a draft where I would normally do it. And so then, 
you're talking anywhere from three to 600 bucks an hour just to do a review that I could normally do, but I was just too busy, right? Yeah, there's lots of parts where maybe you, would, you wouldn't need someone. So it's more on the drafting part or on the review or both? So I, I would say I would never, well, I wouldn't say never, but I would rarely draft a, a purchase agreement myself. There I mean, are check times- your drafts. Of course not. You, well, so not. There, there, there have been times where I would take term sheets or I would take it, an older term sheet and I would modify it for my purposes, but I'll still send it to the lawyer to check it before I send it to the yeah. to the other person, other party. Yeah. Okay. And that's more, more of the use case or more the use case is when you get an agreement from outside and you need to like another template. Well, I, I would so so. I think what I Ashwari asked is uh, other times where the, the the legal services were maybe redundant and definitely like you know all the review so when here's a, here's a really one where it's totally redundant um you send it to the other party they send a red line back but they forgot to redline it right and so now you have to hunt through the document to figure out what they changed that is the worst and the, <laughs> and, and you're just blowing money trying to find an edit that that you don't and now they don't know where it is and you don't know where it is and so you're blowing money to have someone figure it out that is the that is the worst one yeah yeah, and it is more common than than you would think. That type of uh, stuff just it does happen. <laughs> there is not 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 much AI need for that actually. But anyways, it's just a AI. I mean, sorry, a diff checker. But anyways, uh, yeah. I mean, luckily there are some solutions who help you with that. But you know, we also saw that some you know there is some resistant resistance or for some legal expert to adopt new technology, of course. But it really depends. It, I think it's it's becoming more and more standard and. Also, businesses are adopting those technologies, so you know that helps as well to make it uh, mm-hmm. more widespread. Cool. Sorry, you want to add something, Andrea? No, I was just chiming in and saying, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I think um, it would be great to jump into an, an example with a contract now. What, what do you guys think? Sure. Let's yeah. do it. So uh, we discussed about SaaS agreements, and uh, you know, I know e-commerce is pretty popular, um, as you mentioned as well, Matt. So let's start with, with those agreements, the SaaS agreements. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, starting, you know, you decide who's going to take it first, but I would like to hear both perspectives, uh, the legal and the, the, the CFO and business side. Uh, you know, what are the aspects that you care the most about, about those countries? So who are, what are the, the key provisions and the key things you're looking at when you, when you get one of those in your inbox? Matt, I'll let you go first. Okay. Okay. So. For me, the really big ones are termination. How do you get out of this contract? When do you, can you get out of the contract? How much notice do you have to give to get out of the contract? Because mm. I hate being in situations where the particular software is horrible and or the service is horrible and you're trying to get out, but you're locked in for a year. And so what do you do, right? So that's a huge one is looking at termination clause. Um, the other one is pricing. You know, you want to, anytime pricing is referenced, you want to know where it is and, and what it's really saying. So can you is pricing flat like are there any pieces that that are are maybe weren't talked about are there price increases baked in to a contract uh, mm-hmm. things like that renewals uh, i would i would want to look at the renewal clauses just to see like you know do you need to do something to renew or does it auto renew without asking you yeah. are they do they have to tell you before they renew like that's another because again if you get locked into a software that you hate and it just renews without them telling you well then mm-hmm. if it's in the contract then sometimes they have you right and then sometimes it's important to uh, understand like the um maybe i don't know the word for it but the arbitration part like where conflict resolution how are these things resolved uh, in what courts are my home country or the vendor's home country and or jurisdiction and 
do they bind me to arbitration in like some random place in California that I don't live in? Like, you know, like things like that. Mm. Oh, penalties, maybe, you know, I'd look at uh, if you, is there a penalty for early termination or uh, yeah. non-payment or things like that? Mm. Those are, those are, I think those are my biggest ones. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, and from a legal perspective, so all of the, uh, all of the ones that Matt mentioned are extremely, extremely important, especially the ones about like payment terms and auto renewals and um, from, and every lawyer has kind of, you know, their own approach and perspective on it. So I'll mm -hmm. just like humbly share mine. And for me, whenever I see like any sort of like SaaS agreement, the first alarm bells that go into my, my head are all about IP oh, and, uh, you know, confidentiality and like data security and things like that, you know, that, and each of the each of the way that I look at it, my perspective would differ if uh, I'm a lawyer for a vendor or, you know, a, a customer. So say I'm, uh, you know, a GC for uh, someone subscribing to um, a SaaS platform, then the one of the top most things I care about is what are they going to do with all my data that I upload? Uh, are they going to are they GDPR compliant if I'm in Europe? Um, also consideration in the U.S., of course. Are they going to, you know, encrypt it? Are they going to store it in a secure manner? Um, are they, because with a lot of AI tools, data is important. And I'm going to use my very like lawyer technical language here, just like try. But, um, you know, I would care about whether anything I upload or anything I share with this platform, is it going to be used for them in, you know, maybe maintaining or improving their services and what's going to be the nature of that. Uh, basically, mm. where is my information going? What is going to be the confidentiality? The other things I care about is uh, whether- can I, um, can I interrupt and ask you a question, Ashwarya? Is it true that if, like, where they store the data is important too, right? Because if I'm Canadian and it's stored in a US data center, like the NSA or the, the, I can lose my data, right? Jurisdictionally? Yes. So, so the jurisdiction really matters. So not as much um, as, uh, as far as I know. So it's like the biggest problems is when you're transferring European data to like a U.S. server. But within the North American, you know, mm -hmm. you know, continent, if it's like Canada and U.S., mm -hmm. usually, you know, just like a simple standard contract clauses like, you know, like that are GDPR compliant, that would okay. usually do the trick. But mm -hmm. some of those contentions get like pretty heavy when it's, you know, European data coming over here because there's just, it. it's kind of, everyone just like believes that like big American companies, like, you know, Google, <laughs> Facebook, like no one's like, you know, keeping our data secure and uh, and, and things like that. So, so those sort of negotiations, they're like very, very, uh, they get very intense and contentious yeah. and, and, and those just tend to be sometimes, you know, like one of like the biggest like deal breakers or deal makers when it mm. comes to, because no GC would ever want to like sign off on that. Like no one wants that responsibility. Gotcha. And, and it gets like further complicated. So if you're like a large conglomerate, like you've got offices in China, you've got offices like in Japan, you know, mm -hmm. you've got offices in Australia. There's like all sorts of different considerations, like where, mm -hmm. what part of your company's, uh, what location of your company's data are you sharing with which country? And then what what are the different regulations that apply to these different countries so mm. uh those sort of things you know they get like pretty pretty complex but the biggest ones are definitely between the europe and the us so definitely looking at data security and then of course confidentiality and seeing mm. that is there anything in in this agreement that i can that can bind you know the service provider that i can sue them for like you know if they let someone right. like a consultant use my data or something like that is there anything in this agreement that allows me to sue them or am i agreeing to let them you know hire anyone and 
you know, share my data with anyone. And then on the converse, if I am the service provider, then I care about putting, um, you know, some of the provisions in that allow me to, you know, securely and of course, in an ethical way, utilize the data that I need to, you know, make my services better. If, you know, mm-hmm. I'm an AI-based service, I need to put in protections in places where, you know, I can potentially get sued, you know, by the customer, whether that's with mm-hmm. regard to, you know, who the data is shared with, confidentiality. And then also, because if I'm providing them a license to use my service, I want to make sure that they don't end up, you know, copying the work that I'm doing or end up having some information with which, you know, they can just build their own like platform or like, you know, disclose it to competitors. So, so, so those, those sort of things, in addition to everything that you just said, that's a very long winded explanation. And I, and I'm going to add one more that I, I, I should have talked about is the SLA. So service level, like the guarantee mm-hmm. uptime guarantees. I reviewed a contract, a friend of a friend said, Hey, can you help me look at this? And I looked at it for them. And at the end of the day, there's nothing they could do. But this uh, SaaS provider, I forget the name, provided no uptime guarantees. And so uh, like, there's literally, if they did not keep their stuff maintained and running, there's literally nothing you could do to get out of the contract because there was no no guarantee whatsoever of uptime. And so that's a huge piece. It's like, what, what are they telling you they will actually deliver? And in this contract, they basically said, this is as is where is within the con and it's buried in various places in the contract, but they made no service level guarantees at all. Mm. Um, so that's a big one that you're going to want to look at. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Thank you both. I mean, um, I'm trying to take some notes and understand the different perspectives. So if I, if I can summarize them, I mean, tell me if I got it wrong, but on, on one side, Matt seems to be focusing mostly on, you know, on the money aspect of the conflict. Can I get out when I want? not being locked in you know am i paying what i you know what we discussed am i also arbitration you mentioned uh, do i need to fly somewhere else do i need to you know um you know are there some costs or uh, you know whereas uh, i mean of course you were focusing on other aspects but uh, as a lawyer perspective interesting you you, you told us can I sue them as a buyer or can I get, so it, it's interesting these two different perspectives uh, that I see, of course, different backgrounds and different, but I may be wrong. Maybe I got uh, a wrong interpretation, but that was uh, yeah, somewhat. No, I think that's- no, no, I might actually amend what I think because I, I think reviewing the IP is actually a really good thing to do to know, like, can they, yeah, if you're, if I always talk from the position of a, of a client, of course, but can you can you build your own IP off this? Do they own everything you create with their platform? Like that's actually huge. And I, I reviewed a contract just last week where the vendor, I've never seen this before, the vendor waived any and all right to anything that they create based on the client work that they're doing. I've never seen that in my life. And I told my client to take that contract <laughs> because anything that the vendor makes, they get to have as a client, like in perpetuity with the vendor releasing claim to it. And so that means like, if they make a new process based off what they're doing for you, like you can have it anyway. So yeah, I think IPs yeah. changed my mind. I, I'm adding IP to my list too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause you can have like some serious financial considerations yeah. uh, attached to it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, what the, the, what's the, that's what the podcast is for to, to learn. And hopefully other people here listening to us are, are learning something and, and uh, yeah, one more, one, one more question. I know we're going towards you know, the end, like we try to keep half an hour, but What's the thing that, you know, whenever you see, you just say, no, I'm not going to sign it. Like one thing or, well, maybe the two things or a couple of red flags, Mm -hmm. big red flags. For me with SaaS, it's definitely service level guarantees, SLA. I don't don't remember what the A stands for. I swear I remember what the A stands for. I think this agreement. 
Service oh, level service level agreement. agreement. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, so if they if they make no guarantee that their service will work, I don't want to sign that. Okay. Yeah. And for me, it's about, uh, and would differ for like, every, I think like for lawyers, we always are giving out disclaimers, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> for me, it's uh, definitely like software ownership. And it's, it's just so hard for me to just pick one because I mean, there's so yeah. many things that would jump out from a contract to me that would just make me not want to sign it. Mm-hmm. But the one that is basically always non-negotiable as matt was also pointing out i don't want the work or the algorithms i create for the client to be just like work for hire and then they get like all ip over it i want them to have a limited revocable you know licensing right over it where you know Mm. it's still all my ip they can just you know use it and you know which is which is why like you know just like in my day-to-day work it's speed legal as well just never like, you know, never really thought of just like having that like one thing and just amplifying that like this exists, don't sign this contract, but having somewhat like of a dashboard, you know, just like that makes me see everything wrong Mm. with the contract. I think that is that is what I'm always looking for. So it's like very hard for me to just like pick one thing because there's software ownership, there's confidentiality, Mm -hmm. there is there is data security, just 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 so many things. So hard to pick one. I would like to see everything. That is an interesting point. Ashwarya, because you're right. There isn't like, it's all trade-offs and compromises. I I say that you would, I would just not sign something for an SLA, but what if the pricing was really, really good? Then would you try? Of course. So maybe what we could do is using your, your software because your software will highlight some key things. If a client could come up with a scoring mechanism per section, you could not sign contracts that scored less than X or Y. That that's a really interesting use case for you guys. Cause that would be that would be a really quick way to score a contract. Thank you for the spoiler, yeah. Matt. Yeah, I actually want to say lucky. Oh shit, sorry. Did I... <laughs> no 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 I think no, thank you for the maybe I didn't use the correct English word, but I meant thank you for the introduction. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I used it. But anyways, yeah. So thank you for putting that on the table. I actually wanted to say that luckily there are tools, uh, there are tools for that. And uh, you don't need to spend two plus years as Matt did. But of course, he, he, gave, he gained some asymmetry of information, which is you, can be used in many ways, uh, mm-hmm. which is good. <clears throat> but yeah, so that's something we are doing at Speed Legal, basically. And helping you to understand if your contract complies or you know, verify if it's complying with the standard. Mm. And being that market standard or your standard, if you're a bigger company, you may have your own standard. And yeah, the score idea is actually very good. We, we currently have numbers for each red flag oh. and matching criteria. Uh, eventually, we will create a score, but at the moment, we are giving, we are dissecting the contract. Um, but the objective is to actually get a score. Uh, which I didn't even good. know. I didn't even know. So for the listeners, I hope I'm not, I did not set that up on purpose. I had no idea you guys scored stuff like that. Oh my God. Okay. Anyway, that's cool. Yeah. Well, that's another reason to, to try Speed Legal. It's free, by the way. And um, <laughs> you can use it and it scales as you scale. So starting for free and then the more contracts that starts with some plans. But yeah, I think I would say thank you very much for, for being here. Um, do we have any other question for Matt or Matt for us today? No, I just want to, like the scoring, I, I maybe, I know we've spoken before, but I don't, anyway, that that is cool. And there's a reason why I think that it's cool. So mm-hmm. let's say you want to find a new SaaS to solve, let's say ERP or something, right? So you you get some quotes, you get some draft agreements, throw the draft agreements into Speed Legal, mm-hmm. the scores will come out, and then you can kind of rank your vendors in terms of the contract score, and then you can you would maybe you could you could use that to like 
push a few vendors off the table if there's if their contract sucks and then or or you could dig in but anyway yeah that's that's yeah it's fantastic yeah. yeah that's that's what we call red flag table and we actually we trademarked that because we, we really believe in that and hope we can uh, you know showcast it to, to everyone soon and yeah so thank you everyone i mean uh, it has been great and i think we we wanted to cover another contract but i think it's enough for today uh, people so can digest the this SaaS agreement yeah. all, all the aspects that we have touched today from ip to renewals to penalties and and then going down to the uh, to the GDPR for, of course and all, all the data and the new AI tools coming up with with their own things. So uh, I would say, Matt, we would love to have you again, maybe with another contract, maybe a sure. term sheet or something that you've used in the past. And maybe if you um, you know any listener is running, I think you're focusing with any specific uh, vertical cohort or e-commerce or. Any type of startup? Oh, yeah. I work with basically anybody that does a, a significant percentage of sales online. If they're all uh, wholesale, for example, like there's just not enough data for me to be super effective. It's not my niche, basically. So if you're doing a lot of sales online or if you're an agency serving those kind of clients, I can help. And anywhere, if you're doing anywhere from like two to 20 million a year in revenue, that's kind of the band that I work in as well. Um, and you know, again, ADEX, ADEX.co.co uh, is where you can find me or look me up on LinkedIn, Matt Putra. Sounds good. And Sharia, any, any final word on your side? Yeah, I, I absolutely loved being here. And like the one thing that I loved the most was, you know, like I think like Matt, you had like, you know, some uh, strategic insights into like, you know, how you look at contracts. And then I was talking about how a lawyer would mm -hmm. look at it. And then towards the end, we sort of just integrated that and just came up with this, you know, uh, thing where how cool it would be to like, you know, rank the different risks involved in a contract, how you can use that to negotiate or vendor mm -hmm. selection and things like that. I think that's exactly what Speed Legal and Rethinking Legal Ops is about us, uh, you you know, finding that collaborative ground. I don't call it a common ground because there's no conflict here, but finding areas for, you know, lawyers to be strategic partners with, you know, mm -hmm. C-suite professionals rather than being the people that tell you not to do things or like, you know, give you really long <laughs> explanations <laughs> and things like that. So I'm um, yeah. very excited to, you know, um, continue the conversation offline as well. And uh, this has been great. For sure. That's cool. Thank you so much, guys. And th thank you everyone for listening. And join us for the next episode. Um, maybe we will not be the business one, we'll be the, uh, the legal one, but we will be having more of the business and integrating with, with the standard one. And yeah, so join us in, the, in this mission of making contracts accessible to everyone, easy to understand, easy to negotiate, easy to sign um, using AIs and humans. Thank you, everyone, and see you next time. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Sherry. Bye. Thank you. The practice of law is changing, and we're here for it. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode of Rethinking Legal Ops. Follow us for more such insightful conversations about the transformative impact of legal tech. Also, follow Speed Legal and let us know in your comments and messages about how you leverage legal tech solutions to make your work more efficient. See you next time.